Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He's the man who has read well over half a million brain scans, and Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Dear sir. This is what we've come to, Jay. <laughs> so. Interior cingulate. That's what I tell my wife. <laughs> well, it's uh, an entire reward deficiency syndrome. Yeah. And uh, you can see it as a thalamocortical dysrhythmia as well. And it cuts across the DSM. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the same pattern is seen in obsessive compulsive, but also in a high percentage of those that complain of depression. Um, if they have an anhedonia, uh, uh, um, <laughs> and uh, anxiety, anterior cingulate, uh, very commonly. So it's it cuts across the DSM, um, but then the DSM. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what, do you, what do you take for it? They give you a magazine subscription. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, there, there's plenty of people that have digital copies of it, but it, it's not worth, <laughs> you know, unless you're doing billing and, and admin, it's not worth anything. You know, yeah, it does, yeah. no, no predictive validity, uh, high replicability, but no v- predictive validity. So, so this is a yeah. pre-show. Uh, the subject came up, uh, you know, a, a listener, viewer, anonymous, anonymously suggested that we talk about porn addiction. And Dr. Mar- Marie Swingle, who's about to come in the room, she happens to know a little bit about addiction out there. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, and internet and, and and internet yes with her with her book i minds and here she is hello right on time we're so, we're yeah. talking about porn <laughs> let's do this gentlemen um i am not shy on this topic i think it's a critical topic affecting the development of of young males um destroying um uh, marriages intimacy um and uh it's not just about the boys it's crossing over to the females as well and i have some heavy research on this in terms of how it's affecting us all so lead me in (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) that's what she said literally (laughs) we had a request uh regarding pornography and addiction and it's like Okay, that could get us some views. That could get us some listens, and maybe they'll trip over and see some of our other content. But it's a real thing. Jay, yeah. you're telling me that there's a DSM five category for this. It, or- there's actually um, a, a neurological pattern uh, called uh, thalamocortical dysrhythmia uh, that that is seen in reward deficiency syndrome. 
which is at the frontal midline. It's dopamine-driven. And uh, th this reward deficiency syndrome has been described by Kenneth Blum really quite well. Uh, you'll, you'll see him quoted uh, quite currently. But the, the thalamocortical dysrhythmia aspect of it is uh, basically most well-developed by Dirk de Ritter, uh, who, who's identified that the, that the same pattern of, of, of brain network failure is seen in tinnitus and pain and movement disorders like Parkinsonism, and also reward deficiency, which about 80% of the uh, depressed individuals fell into that category as well. So, and and the the pattern cuts across the DSM because the DSM is well. Don't even get me started on DSM. Uh, uh, um, but the, the pattern at the anterior midline is uh, predictive of obsessive compulsive behaviors. Um, and and it's, it's obviously uh, associated with slow content in the EEG when dopamine is deficient. Um, you know, so the, the, there's all this wonderful EEG uh, uh, material that goes along with this. But I, I think the therapist uh, discussion, not just the discussion of what the EEG wigglies are doing, uh, end up being uh, the richness that w we really can provide here. And Mari is more of that uh, uh, therapeutic end. I, I'm, I'm the geek who looks at the wiggly lines end of it. So uh, I, I, I welcome her uh, input and, and experience in this area, pu published and um, and polished in this area. Well, thank you, Jay. I, I hope we can um, talk with a lot of humor today because it's, it's a very serious uh, topic. But you know, just holding up my my book here, I kind of went through. I think I have over eighty pages on this. I mean, in terms of how the our, our interactive technologies have completely invaded, um, and I think the two areas. Well, back when I first started my my research, when we were calling this internet addiction, uh, we were only talking about two classifications. It was essentially uh, gaming addiction and pornography addiction. Um, and I think in some of my earlier research, again, we have to um, put this in context. We're talking about 2012, 2013 is when I collected all of this data. Actually, probably 2011, 2012, I wrote it up in 2013. Um, but I was looking at um, um, you know, uh, males and females in, in what we call classic binary. Um, but I was also looking at uh, transgender individuals, and this is way before uh, I would say that this was on the, um, the radar the way it is today, uh, as well as uh, gay um, and, and lesbian um, uh, individuals. Um, and the only reason uh, why I, I'd say there were more uh, uh, gay individuals and trans individuals in my study was these were disenfranchised populations. Okay, especially if individuals were in smaller communities, big cities, you know, individuals can find partners and friends and communities, uh, but in, in smaller communities, that was an issue. So I find that I'm absolutely blessed in terms of the type of data 
that I have. Um, but in terms of why individuals are attracted uh, to pornography, what it's doing to the brain, um, no apologies. I'm, I'm going to be talking about binary concepts and gender in a traditional as well as non-traditional ways. Um, but, you know, females, uh, for the first myth is that this is a male problem. You know, it's different. So females um, engage with pornography for romance, fantasy, exhibitionism, and uh, cyber sex. So a lot of the early gaming of females, there was a lot of sec uh, sexual play, for, exact, uh, for example, in Second Life. Um, males, it tends to be pornography, anonymity, uh, voyeurism, porn, and the huge one, objectification. So for a lot of um, females, um, trans individuals, gay males, and gay females, um, there, there's, a, there, there's a, um, a relationship aspect. So essentially, the, the, the medium is permitting, uh, it's, it's not a full substitution, I guess, is what I'm saying. With males, what we're finding is an absolute, complete, and total override. Uh, I'm going to reference the early work of Naomi Wolf. Uh, she was one of the first people who kind of said, don't worry about all these sex maniacs, um, you know, because of all the pornography, you're actually creating functional eunuchs. You know, they're just essentially staying home and masturbating. Um, so with the, the young males, um, you know, it's gaming and masturbation. Um, you, we have many, many more young virgins. <laughs> um, and then for uh, older males, um, essentially what we're dealing with is a lot of erectile dysfunction that has nothing, nothing to do with a naturally aging male. It's not a blood flow issue. It can't be cured with Cialis and Viagra. It has nothing to do with uh, andropose or dropping testosterone. It's a template. It's an arousal template issue. Uh, and the one that really, really scares me is young developing males. So there's a term that I've coined now, which is juvenile erectile dysfunction. Okay. So these are young males who has essentially learned about sexuality or their sexuality, their desire template has developed from porn and they are absolutely a hundred percent dysfunctional with real embodied uh, sexual interaction. They can't get it up, they can't keep it up, and they can't orgasm. Um, so that's my general overview. I also have pictures of the brain in terms of what this can look like. Uh, good news, bad news. Uh, the porn addicted brain looks exactly like the gaming addicted brain. Okay. Um, and again, it's reward templates, it's arousal templates. Um, oh, gosh. Gentlemen, I can go on and on and on whether we want to talk about the relationship factors. Like, wh where do you want to take me? <laughs> How much is too much? <laughs> I, I, I'm perfectly fine. You know, I, I don't, you know, there's, there's, I don't want to be rude and lewd and crude, but I don't think this is a show to censor because people need the real information. I'm not censoring. I want to know how much porn is too much. That's a legit question. Oh, okay. How much is too I much? I got to check my notes. About where we're going to go. I, I think it depends, right? Um, and I think it's also like alcohol. You know, for some individuals, uh, you tip with a very, very small amount. Um, other individuals can can consume a little bit more. Um, and I think one of the things we get caught up in is, you know, being a prude or, or these type of things. Um, I say it's too much if you prefer porn 
to a current partner if you prefer porn to pursuit, okay? And I know we have to be a little bit delicate here. Uh, and this is where I really want to talk about how pursuit is natural for the male, okay? But I'm not talking about toxic mas masculinity. We're talking about natural pursuit. You know, if we don't have pursuit, we don't have, you know, continuation of the species. Yeah. Uh, but that's another uh, one where we can spin around is females tend to be more the pursuers now, not because they've been enabled to do so, but because the men are not pursuing. So bottom line is if you're not as interested in your partner, okay, if you have trouble um, uh, getting an erection, sustaining an erection, and reaching orgasm, that's too much the kids today they mm -hmm. don't uh a couple things that i hear is going on i hear i don't want to okay. get too much into politics but i i've heard that politics comes into play where uh the females lean a certain way and it may turn off the men and then the men they're too involved in this non-human contact stuff so they don't go female yeah hunt is i, I don't want to i want we, we want to avoid the predatory language but predator yeah. yeah that's why you got to censor me dr marie but no, i mean is, we, you know cross is that what's going on though language i'm, I'm not going to get offended by it we're all okay. learning um but what do you mean by females lean a certain way i think we mean need to be very clear here virtue signaling i don't want to say woke uh they they have a certain way that they they're very defensive on on yeah. the, the men that pursue them and then the men get turned yeah. off and then they. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I think I know exactly what you're trying to say. And I think the, Please help. the fact that you are having so much trouble finding words, there is probably a fear of expression, et cetera. This is the problem we have. I think it's the classic pendulum. Okay. Uh, we needed me to. OK, uh, you know, in my therapist chair as a female now, for better or for worse, in her late 50s, boy, oh, boy, if I heard it all. OK, we have way too much predatory behavior. The frequency of sexual assault, et cetera, is horrendous. OK, but there should be. And, and so we needed that. So we we're way over here. And now what we've done, we've gone absolutely the opposite way. And that's not healthy either. One of the things I really, really want people, I'm I'm not saying it should be or shouldn't be. I want people thinking about this, okay? But is it predatory to ask somebody out on a date? Okay. My attitude, professional as well as personal, is no. My little rule that I think is sensible from a professional perspective is you get to ask three times. After that, it can turn a little bit creepy. So first time, maybe the female isn't even aware of your existence is all, uh, no, no, thank you. Second time, she's like, oh, well, okay, I'm aware, but not really interested. Third time, she could say yes, or she go, sorry, buddy, really not interested. Okay, I think that, to me, that kind of works. And I think some of the sensitivity level should come down. The other one is in terms of all these permissions. And are we destroying romance, the potential for intimacy? So if you're in a certain environment and we, gentlemen and ladies 
And maybe those are bad turns, but we have to use our heads and our hearts. You know, sometimes you can sense things. Sometimes we get it wrong. Okay. But if you're very close to somebody and leaning in for a kiss, okay, you should be able to read an expression and know to back off. But if you sit there and go, may I kiss you? Is the moment lost? Okay. Or can there be a beauty to that? And here I'm going to bring out the address in me, which is, may I kiss you? Okay, so there's certain ways that things are done. And I think we just really need that pendulum to stop. Uh, but I think the guys running to porn um, <clears throat> because the gals are too woke and they're all frightened. I think that's a cop out. Okay, mm -hmm. I think we need to have all of these conversations talk about reality porn is a huge huge business destroying intimacy uh killing relationships um and i'd say massively harming um the development of the male population um and really confusing confusing youth fear of missing out i don't know if they're asking people out versus they're <laughs> swiping yeah. uh, on app so there's uh uh he knows what i'm talking about you have you have so many more opportunities now than back when you know in, in our day mari mm -hmm. uh it's like who do you pick and you're not asking you know do you want to you know netflix and chill and there's you know the romance is kind of taken out of it and and the birth rate is going down right so well no kidding no kidding. The only generation that's highly sexually active now is actually geriatrics, believe it or not. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think elders have very healthy sex lives now compared to the young. I mean, it actually is kind of funny. You know, the highest rate of STD, STDs is in, el is in elders. I mean, part of that is just kind of cute, um, you know, because that's the generation. The only thing they were fearful of was pregnancy. It's like, wake up. <laughs> there are other things to be fearful of. Well, fear of missing out. You have technology now where you get more opportunities. And, yeah. you know, if you're overwhelmed so, with choices, you make no choice. You just go out yeah, and play the, Fortnite. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if we go into gambling, uh, generalized addiction, you have the varied reinforcement schedule. Okay, don't know who's going to show up when you have uh, potential, well, increased content, increased stimulation and unlimited access. Why would you ever pick anybody or anything? Right. Um, and, and here we're into the dating apps. Um, you know, the, the person now that says hi in the coffee shop is the weirdo. I don't know, maybe I'm old, but I think the weirdo is the guy who sends you his dick pic, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know? So Wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let, let's let's really talk true and straightforward here. Uh, we have an issue, and I also think it starts earlier. Um, adolescence is an age that is extremely awkward. Uh, most of us remember it as extremely awkward pre-tech, uh, um, where we're transferring from children <clears throat> to young adults. We're developing into sexual beings. Um, we we pseudo stutter when we talk to the opposite uh, gender, or uh, to be more inclusive to somebody who may interest us on a on a physical level. Um, and now all of that is done through a device. Okay, so I would say that many individuals have never learned how to talk. 
They've never learned how to flirt with a wink instead of in a predatory way. Okay. Um, who's teaching them? You know, where are our uncles and our dads and our moms, right? The school is teaching this. Okay. Um, so I, I think we, we, you know, go back a little bit to basics. Your kids are learning from porn. Uh, they're learning from school and they're learning from technology. Right? It, it's a bit of an issue. Birds and the bees. Does anybody do that anymore? They know it all. They <laughs> or they're all. teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, that's that's the other one. You know, when you have a young male who's essentially learned everything from pornography, uh, the first encounter, and again, I'm, I'm going to uh, talk in binary terms. Um, the first experience for a female um, can be violent. I mean, majority of porn now is triple X. Um, if we get into specific sex acts like fellatio, um, it's full throat gagging. Uh, it's the, uh, the complete blocking of the air passage. Do you want that to be a young female's first sexual experience? right? Also in terms of the repertoire, what's expected. Um, and many young females are going to like, whoa, I want nothing to do with this. Other Others are learning to mimic and studying and act what they need to do. But generally speaking, it's very, very unhealthy. Call me old fashioned, but I think you should have two bumbling people being very, very awkward, uh, discovering each other's hearts and bodies. Um, being you know deviant in in a positive way and the influence where they're learning from should not be porn okay i see my tech there's, doing there's also there. there's also you know if you can get somebody peeled away from the internet porn mm -hmm. if their anterior cingulate drive isn't fixed yeah. they're going to do symptom substitution yes. they may never look at porn again well there's a good possibility they may but uh they, they, they'll find something else there's there's drugs uh yeah. and if it's not drugs uh that you know goodness uh there's gambling i mean that there's huge numbers of different things that the singular can lock onto. the reward deficiency syndrome can cut across multiple dsm categories and if you fix the drive the behaviors that are associated with it are no longer a problem so yeah. ultimately uh, there's a brain fix not just a behavioral management you know that you you could uh, uh, let's say it's your kid that you discover uh, uh, wildly into porn and you you put some parental control of some sort on it well if you haven't fixed the drive yeah. goodness knows yeah. uh there there's five five alternative uh pathways for them to find something uh yeah. to tickle their fancy so um it, it, thanks for looping us back jay in terms of the the treatment but um you know when we opened the show i think i i stated that the the profile that i've seen is not unique to pornography addiction yep. um and um pete i think i sent you a um a, a couple of templates on that um there, there are two things um that we see uh one is across the board in terms of addictions um and the other is in terms of this outrageous amplitude in in in, in alpha uh, but going to what uh, jay said 
um, it has to be treated in tandem. The other thing is this isn't like alcohol where you can choose abstinence. Okay. It's like an eating disorder. Okay. You have to eat. You want to eat. They're really, really yummy things to eat and you should eat the yummy things. Okay. But not all of the things that are horrendously uh, bad for you. Um, so uh, in terms of neurotherapy and how I work with this, first of all, open, transparent, you have to be really, really comfortable about talking about sex and sex acts and patterns um, and just make a really, really open, non-judgmental um, environment for your client because this is awkward. Um, I think I might have an advantage being a slightly mature uh, female, um, but I'd, I'd say anybody you need to create that environment. I wouldn't say be ultra hip and cool um, because you're, you, you want to help people break something that could be harmful. But as Jay was saying, the two locations you really want to hone into are the cingulate. Okay, so if you have a hot cingulate, as Jay said, you're going nowhere if you can't quiet that down. Uh, the other tends to be also excessive beta in the occipital region. Um, so again, what we tend to see in these states of hypo, hypo, um, uh, uh, sorry, hyperarousal. Um, and sometimes there's also insufficient theta in the back, so individuals can't quiet, uh, which loops us into why do people um, become addicted to pornography? Okay, all... Uh, I would say uh, interactive technologies, addiction. Um, there, people start as either boredom or as an emotional mitigator. They feel stressed. Okay, you game. Um, not going to be apologetic, but one of the best stress reliefs is orgasm. People discover that pretty quickly. The best pill for insomnia is orgasm. People discover that pretty quickly. The feel-good hormones, okay? We are naturally wired, again, because the species wouldn't continue if we weren't wired this way. But when um, I'd say pornography or technology hijacks our biology, pun intended, we're screwed. And that's what's happening here. Um, and, you know, Jay, you might be able to talk more about dopamine. Um, I, I have a lot of, um, uh, I would say, theory here. Um, Lord knows all the studies I want to do, but I haven't been able to track this yet. But I'd love to track the um, uh, dopaminergic um, cycles and development in the young. So here, what I'm talking about are like a nine-year-old male who discovers porn. So essentially becomes a very heavy porn consumer, nine to 13. Um, I always say very generally, there's a part of the brain that becomes hijacked and it's different um, than a sexually mature male uh, that finds it. Um, but if anybody wants to do that study, contact me. I'm, I am beyond on board. But where do you get young males or parents that are saying, yeah, come study my young son's porn and masturbatory behavior. <laughs> it's it's going to be a hard study. <laughs> if I'm, I'm just imagining my tech having an intake of somebody coming in to, to, to get this corrected, they don't have to say what they're addicted to be that you just have an addiction. Is that right? Dealing with the, no. oh, you have to say, okay. 
I very respectfully disagree. Um, and what I found is um, that I have worked with individuals and with couples um, and everything looks really great and, and they're back within six months and everything is collapses. Um, and the one thing that has not been dealt with was the pornography addiction. Um, and again, people will come in, they'll, they'll report the, the stress, they'll report mood issues, they'll report um, that they're online too much but they don't, if they don't report uh, the porn, um, they might even, you know, report lower libido. Um, and, you know, there's this big uh, absolute falsehood that, you know, it, females are refusing uh, sex and that's the reason why males go on porn. That's not true at all. That That's an absolute myth. You have many, many females who are, are just... Um, yeah, essentially empty in their relationships because they're being refused. Um, and I repeat, refused intimacy with their partners. Yeah, uh, I'm beyond direct. Um, you know, sometimes I ask people when they come in as a couple in front of them. Um, sometimes I, I, I more often tend to isolate um, um, and, and ask questions when, when individuals are apart. But very, very rarely is um, the female not aware. Right? She might not be aware to the, the depth of the, the degree, but she knows. Um, the other thing, even in young females, most individuals also in new relationships can tell when somebody that they've started to date and somebody they start to become sexually intimate with is a heavy consumer of porn. Um, it, it, it's about the, uh, the sensing of the uh, objectification. It's also about the, the repertoire or uh, the type of sex acts, uh, frequency of change um, within a, um, shall we say, an intimacy session. Um, there are all kinds of things that, that indicate uh, that a male is an over-consumer of porn. Is there a difference on the QEG if it's a porn addiction or alcohol addiction or no? No, no. I haven't found it, no. Okay. The, the anterior cingulate has, uh, when it's working properly, you have flexibility, emotional and cognitive flexibility. Uh, but when it's not working, you end up with an obsessive compulsive uh, lock on something or an amotivation, lack of initiation, anhedonia, lack, you're locked on or off. You don't have the flexibility. And, and it can be disturbed with alpha or theta or beta. All of them disturb the function of the anterior cingulate. So you can tell by the behavior that the anterior cingulate is not working right, but you have to go there and look to see which kind of failure mode it's in. And that's going to change kind of how you treat things as well. But, you know, the the dopaminergic uh, system with respect to pleasure uh, in the basal forebrain is the, largely the nucleus accumbens, which is your pleasure, unpleasure center. And you notice I said unpleasure, not pain. There are some people that pain is pleasure. Yeah. So it, it, it uh, pleasure and unpleasure is more like the anhedonia. It's, it's not pain. It's just a, you know, blah, blah, there, there's, it's a nothingness. 
and, and um, so so your your lock on is, is an obsessive drive, and the lock off is an anhedonia, and and both of those end up looking for something to to stimulate uh, that uh, dopaminergic pathway, and uh, um, upwelling from the brainstem uh, 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 through. Uh, the nucleus accumbens are all your sensory uh, relays, uh, um, the, the the direct sensory stuff up to the sensory cortex, but the, the, uh, uh, there's, there's a collateral into the brainstem reticular activating system, which goes to the thalamic diffuse projection system, which goes through the nucleus accumbens and the, the basal forebrain where all the dopamine is. And if you have a reward deficiency, there's a problem with the dopamine system usually. So uh, that that's usually seen as a slow, but it can also be seen as a disturbance of that system with fast. And uh, that the that the frontal lobe is not doing affective regulation at all with alpha, which is essentially an off or an idling. So. Um, if you've got a dynamic, active anterior cingulate, you're you're not stuck on something. Uh, but if you have a reward deficiency problem, you may end up getting stuck on something. And if it's if you're pulled off of that, you may stick to something else until you get the anterior cingulate working properly. And there's there's a lot of ways to af- actually treat that. You can treat the anterior cingulate with TMS. Uh, you can treat it. W- there, there are people that are effective at working with it with, you know, direct uh, uh, face-to-face therapy, but I have to say um, uh, it, it, that that's a longer route than a direct feedback of the anterior cingulate. You can get the get the pathophysiology straightened out, and then the counseling stuff goes quick. I mean, well, yeah, if, if the anterior cingulate is working uh, after that discussing the fact that it's working and how to keep it working uh, works as opposed to uh, uh, trying to work with somebody who's singular is not working. And it, 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 it's, it's difficult to talk them through uh, 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 getting that working. Uh, uh, there, there was a, a deal about OCD and, and O'Neill wrote about the kind of a talk therapy, a cognitive behavioral way to kind of trick the brain into not having an OCD. Um, Uh, uh, basically if you have an an OCD that's an obsession ride the obsession to stop it you know so uh, anyway it's uh, I I think training really well for hand washing I've noticed (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know TMS they've they've shown efficacy with TMS Um, uh, um, Martin Arn showed that if you have a sleep disorder uh, the TMS for OCD doesn't work until you treat the sleep disorder so there's something even about the TMS that says a learning uh, process because sleep deprivation ends up disturbing the ability to transfer from short-term to long-term memory so something about the session has to have a learning curve uh, with even with the TMS which is kind of viewed as a treatment not a training but well, let me jump in there but also some learning kind of piggyback something that you said um so this is where everything is compounding because um for individuals who are professionally employed yes they sneak off into washrooms but most of this behavior is happening at night in front of a very bright screen 
Okay, so we're talking about um, overstimulation, the blue light affecting circadian rhythm, melatonin production, sleep, um, just an hour less of sleep. So this, I mean, it's a complete compounding. Um, and, you know, before you, you, you continue, I think it's absolutely imperative that you get a qualified neurotherapist and a qualified therapist. You need uh, you, this is one of those cases where if you only do the neuro, it's not going to work. If you only do the talk therapy, it's not going to work. You need to get change in the brain. And a lot of the therapy is actually educational. Uh, it's not looking deep in your navel in terms of why you develop this behavior. It's understanding the biology. Okay. Uh, where, how, why this started. Okay why your brain has been hijacked, how it's been hijacked, how the biology has been hijacked. And then of course, the awareness of what this is doing to your intimate life. You know, whether you're in a, a stable monogamous uh, relationship or whether you're out and about um, playing or whether you're out and about trying to find a stable monogamous relationship, all of these things, they, they need to be discussed in, in tandem. Mari, you brought up Second Life and in the female side of things. I remember yeah. Second Life from about 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm still yeah. still around. Um yeah. but why why do the females tend to go if that's their porn, like what's going on in the head there that they gravitate towards that versus the guys? Uh it's it's an intimacy factor. It's a it's a fantasy romance. It's there's an interpersonal component. The Hallmark factor? Pardon me? The Hallmark movie factor? Oh, no, that's too cheesy. I mean, the, the women really get into it. There's there's no Hallmark here. This is deep and yeah. dirt. Think, you know, penthouse, um, whatever stories way back yeah. in the day. No, yeah. no, this is this is raunchy stuff. They're they're having a lot of sexual fun, but there's there's a there's a there's an interpersonal component. Can can neurofeedback do something about that with my wife fixing that component? <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah like, like, but, you know jokes aside what you need yeah. to do is look at why isn't it one is the hijacking of biology okay but the other is you know on the softer side why is an individual going outside of a supposedly stable relationship uh for their uh mental physical or heart uh fulfillment Okay. Um, now nothing wrong with a little, it's kind of like, you know, once you're married, you, you don't start, stop noticing attractive people, right? We're all kind of bit of human. The other thing, you know, we're talking about pornography, absolutely <clears throat> nothing wrong with masturbation to your own fantasy. I mean, go for it. That's all healthy. <clears throat> it's the component of the pornography, um, and the, the arousal template, um, that, that is, that is the problem. Hormones come into play. <laughs> I'm not trying to be pituitary, so uh, there's no hormones going on unless I take them. You know, if we're if we're going to uh, look at this as well, I mean, there's yeah. certain uh, phases in all relationships where there's um, a sexual instability, perhaps. Okay, uh, so one of the things is after the birth of a child. Okay, um, sex lives change okay sometimes everybody again blames the female but very frequently the male starts to see the female as this mother figure as opposed to his 
passionate sex partners. So, I mean, we, we have to look at both sides. The other is as couples wait longer and longer uh, to, uh, to have families, a lot of individuals are in fertility treatment. So for years, sex isn't fun. There's no joy. They're on a procreation schedule. Okay, so that's one point of fragility. Um, the other is, um, you know, andropose and menopause. Okay, so a lot of females, as they're creeping up to menopause, um, everybody talks about how the, the young male sex drive through the roof, the female right before um, menopause, her, her sex drive goes way, way up. It's kind of like the last hurrah. So very frequently, again, you have a mis mix, uh, sorry, mismatch in, in libido. And then of course, uh, around menopause or right after, many females libido goes down, but it does readjust, okay? Same thing with males. We have andropose, we have uh, potential for uh, the beginnings of erectile dysfunction. And again, there's so much that can be done. Um, we used to call these midlife crisis, but this is, you know, midlife crisis with the hormones and natural aging. Um, but talk to, a, a, you know, a, a decent doctor, lots of things that can be done on that, or talk to a therapist who knows about these things. There's, there's no reason to quote unquote, suffer and, and have your, um, your sex life or your intimacy suffer. Um, but the only thing I say is please, please, please do not go to porn um, in these uh, mismatch phases or um, I would say stages where intimacy is, is affected in long-term relationships, because that will uh, potentially unravel intimacy and, and also the hijacking of biology. It'll make things not work. Yeah. Um, and Pete, you're asking me before, what's the sign of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, what's too much? Obviously if things don't work, but the other thing for men of all ages, um, uh, I would say, if you want to be a better lover, don't consume porn, period. It's as simple as that. There's uh, different types of uh, varieties of porn. I, I just want to throw one out there that when you include pain, like what is, the, where does, how does well, that come into play? There's kink culture. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I hate the terms. Everybody talks about vanilla sex as if it's boring. Okay. I mean, who is anybody to judge how somebody wants to make love or hell have wide, wild, passionate sex? Okay. What, whatever floats your boat in an adult consensual relationship period. And within all that, I'd say there's all, there's such a wide range of, of healthy behaviors. And I, I think we have to be really, really careful of judging. Okay. Now, a certain uh, kink culture does in, in, involve that pleasure pain dynamic. Okay. Um, and then there's a tipping point where it can turn into pathology. Okay, so if individuals cannot be sexually satisfied without a, a higher level of pain, that might be tipping into self-harm. But again, a good therapist schooled in this will really be able to, to help you figure it out. So the uh, storefront uh, EEG people that they shouldn't be 
I would say oh. don't go out of scope. You know, as yeah. as with anything, be careful of scope. Yeah. Yeah, be careful of scope. Yeah. But um, that there are a lot of individuals. I, I'd say that this is a, um, I think everybody's on pornography addiction is the newest thing. And everybody says they're, they're an expert. Uh, I'd be a little bit cautious about that. But I would say that well-schooled um, individuals in the very, very wide range of healthy sexual behavior, they're few and far between. I would say um, you have many individuals that are far too narrow. And I would say also individuals that are trying to be way too hip and they're far too broad. There, there, there are the edges of, of pathology. Yeah. The social di social dilemma shows the downside of uh, social media because you have people behind the scenes trying to figure out what you're clicking on. These yeah. porn guys, these were the ori original social dilemmas. These are the dopamine fiends, the masters yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to figure out what people are are, are looking for. So uh, for the if, it, if there's anybody hooked out there, there there's there's a reason, you know, mm -hmm. for it. And to get unhooked, number one, you read Dr. Marie's book, I Mind. It's right behind your left shoulder there. Yeah, I keep it strategic. <laughs> it's also right here. There on, it is, there. <laughs> and we have it on, on the site here. Uh, but also, I don't know, you know, I, I'm, I don't do a lot of um, video uh, counseling because I find uh, interpersonal is is so much better. Uh, but if, if you're in a region um where you don't have access you know uh, reach out and contact me we can do some 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 basic um uh, what i what i call educational counseling for individuals to understand uh their own behavior and then perhaps be able to seek out a uh, a local neurotherapist in your area and to be clear dr marie's not accepting pictures <laughs> only of your brain <laughs> <laughs> jay yeah, we've been doing this a long time. This is a unique show, huh? Well, um, uh, uh, the breadth and depth of the show, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see um, what YouTube uh, allows. <laughs> uh, the the various treatments we've talked about on TMS and the various EG patterns, but um, th uh, there's been some interesting work, uh, Dr. DeRitter, uh, uh, looking at essentially the slow cortical potentials. Now, the, the infraslow and infralow people kind of argue about um, who's got what part of the spectrum as theirs or whatever, but um, you can literally turn on and off or activate and inactivate brain areas with the slow cortical potentials. And um, the, uh, being able to turn on or off the anterior cingulate, whether it's excessively activated or inactivated, ends up being something that could be done therapeutically uh, using that kind of an approach. Uh, the spectral approach, uh, S. Loretta can actually focus on that anterior cingulate structure, and then you can train cross-frequency coupling or a specific frequency that's, that needs to be changed. I mean, the, you need to look at what's wrong in order to know how to fix it. So there's no standard protocol. You know, if, if a place has a standard protocol for OCD, um, it'll it'll probably take care of one of the large subgroups, but it won't 
help everybody. The, the, there's multiple presentations again. So you need to customize or personalize uh, your approach. Uh, the, the evidence-based outcomes are based on personalized approaches. Said, I'm sorry, I'm just going to pause and repeat what Jay said. You need to customize. There, there's, there are a couple of regions of the brain that we know are implicated, but this is highly individualistic. Apologies for the interruption, Jay, but I really wanted to hound that uh, home. Floor back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind playing badminton, you know. It's, it's, uh, that's fine. Pardon the pun, pickleball. <laughs> you know, I, I I wondered what the hell that was. I keep seeing pickleball go by on the t- TV screen. I finally stopped and watched what the hell they were doing. So they got their own uh, issues. Uh, <laughs> Jay, uh, Doctor Marie, did we beat this? Uh, well, I should have said that. The Neuronoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you.